We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel this morning, Ezekiel chapter number 8 in your Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel in chapter number 8. I certainly appreciate the folks that have been so willing to practice and continue to bring this special music uh, during this time. I'm uh, looking forward to the time when we get the choir back in the choir loft and uh, get everything fired up again. Uh, until that time, I do appreciate those that are willing to work and practice and then bring music such as a beautiful song that we just heard. I'm very appreciative for that. Ezekiel chapter number 8. Why don't you find that if you'd stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, if you're well able to stand. And if not, God understands that. <clears throat> but we'll stand, those of us that can, in honor of reading God's Word. Look down to verse number 7, Ezekiel chapter number 8, and verse number 7. The Bible says, And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, and abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel, portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tamaz. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence, and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore will I... Also deal in fury, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. I titled the message this morning, America, God is not blind to our sin. Let's pray, we'll get started. Now, our precious Heavenly Father, we know that nothing can be accomplished spiritually without your help, and we have petitioned you, we've asked you this morning already uh, for that help that we so desperately need, the power that we need, the unction that we need, the boldness that we need, that which can only come from you to bring forth this message from you out of your word. 
And we just ask that you give us clarity of uh, mind and clarity of speech. We ask, dear God, that as we open our mouth, you would fill it. I don't know who all is watching. I don't know who all is listening, but you do. And we pray, dear God, your perfect will would be done in each life. And if there's someone that does not truly know that they've been born again by the Spirit of God, that they've been saved by your grace, that their sin has been forgiven, that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life, I pray that you would convince them, Lord, of their sinful nature. And, and Lord, that you would grant them, uh, Lord, the, the, uh, the, 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 that, you would, that you would help them to come to that place, that they would call upon you and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Please help us now, Lord. We need you right now. We thank you for what you're going to do, for we ask it all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. I'm going to take my text. Actually, we're going to, we're going to look at a lot here in chapter number 8, but I'm going to take my text out of verse number 12, where the Bible says, For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. For they say, where they say. <laughs> Has anybody ever said something to you? Well, you know, they say, who's they? <clears throat> well, somebody says. But we know here as it talks, as it's talking here, that it's talking about people that were supposed to be people of God. People that were supposed to be doing the right thing. People that knew better uh, to be doing the things that they were doing that they came to this place. The people had drawn their own conclusion about what God was doing. They had ignored Him to the extent where they were almost saying something like this, God doesn't exist anymore. And even if He does exist, I mean, He's not interested in what we're doing down here. I mean, He's probably got more important things to do than to worry about us down here on this earth. And really, it's not hard to draw a present-day parallel with this passage of Scripture. We we have ignored God. We have ignored the Bible. We have ignored the the church's warning against sin to the point where most of society today says, God doesn't care what goes on in America. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But He does care. He cares a lot. And he's concerned for America in spite of what some of the political minds might say about him. He is still very concerned. Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. America is included in that great proclamation from John chapter 3 verse number 16. He has not forsaken us. He has not turned a deaf ear to the people of this world. And I'm not saying at all that he's pleased with everything that's going on down here. Because I know that for the most part he's not. He's pretty upset about a lot of things that are going on right here in the United States of America. There is no doubt about that. But what I am saying is that he is aware and he is interested in the people. He is interested in the going-ons of this world. He takes note of what's happening down here. And it's crazy because America's sin continues to grow. I mean, grow and grow and grow. Uh, Come on, you think about abortion and homosexuality and child abuse and immorality and most of it 
please listen to me, most of it is fueled by humanistic views. I said most of those things are just fueled by humanistic views. Well, what, are you, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, humanism says, follow your dreams. But Christianity says, not my will, but thine be done. And humanism, humanism says, believe in yourself. But Christianity, Christianity says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Humanism says, you deserve better. But Christianity says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Humanism says, you're somebody special. But Christianity says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We will always be better off listening to God instead of listening to self. I said, we'll always, always be better off. There's a situation here that uh, Ezekiel is, is, uh, is, uh, is, is acknowledging, is seeing here. Look at verse number one. Let's back up a little bit. Look at verse number one there. It says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of an hand, and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven, and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry, he said, Said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. So he's talking about, he sees these four abominable sins of Judah and of Israel. And he talked about the image of jealousy there at the north gate of Jerusalem in verse number 5. And what it was speaking about there was a statue, a great statue of Baal. Baal was just a false god. Baal was not anything. He was nothing. He was a false god that somebody had dreamed up in their mind and they made an image of him and they placed him in this place. He was nothing more than a false god. And this, this image of Baal was built by Manasseh, placed in the temple uh, by him, uh, according to, uh, to uh, Kings chapter number 21, where the Bible says, And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house, of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel, would I put my name forever. And so Baal had no place in there. He shouldn't have been in there whatsoever, not whatsoever. You know, it's really alarming to me that satanic worship is growing greatly in the United States of America. 
more and more uh, of, the, of the movies and the TV programs are featuring the occult. It's becoming very evident. And it's best to stay completely away from that. It's best to stay completely away from anything to do with it whatsoever. And so he talks about the secret idol worship. Get this. He talks about the secret idol worship in the temple of God. So here we have the elders of Israel had hidden themselves. And, and, and hidden themselves. And they were worshiping pictures. What it says here, they were worshiping, worshiping pictures of beasts and idols that they had placed on the wall of the temple. Uh, they were led by a, na- a man by the name of Jeazaniah. And we don't really know anything about him whatsoever. But we have to take note of this. Please take note of this. Well, we don't know anything about him? No, but, but, but please take note of this. God knew his name. And God even knew his father's name, Shaphan. Shaphan was a, follow, a faithful follower of King Josiah, uh, according to 2 Kings chapter number 22. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, that would mean that God knows our name. Me and you. All of us. He knows our name. Can I go ahead and just say, he knows your social security number. He knows your birthday. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows how tall you are or how short you are. He knows the color, uh, the real color of your hair. Okay, I'll move on. He even knows how many hairs are upon your head, and some he doesn't have to take a lot of time to count that. He knows all about you and all about me. God knows. He's still on his throne. He's still all-powerful. And he still sees everything that we do. Take note of this, please. He sees everything that we do. Everything. That name, Jeazaniah, it means Jehovah hears. And yet they so outwardly displayed their ignorance to the degree, to the degree excuse me, that they said, the Lord seeth not, there in verse number 12. The Lord seeth not. And then in verse number 14, we had the women that were weeping for Tamas. Verse 14 says, Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tamas. Now this Tamas was a fertility god of uh, Mesopotamia. Um, Again, Tamas was nothing. A figment of someone's imagination. Something that they had made up so they could worship this Tamos. But they claimed that, 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 that it was a fertility god, the, the Babylonian Adonis. And, and they, celebrated, they celebrated wild orgies and, and immoral practices. And they made sex a part of their religious rituals. And it's really something. No, no, stay with me here. It's really something because the name Tamas means Lord. Little L, Lord, not big L, little L. And, 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 and the, one of the meanings of Lord is this, a master. 
a person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor. And so this God of theirs was one, get this, this God of theirs was, was, was one that directed them to do things that they were doing. Well, this, was, this is what Tamez says we're supposed to do. They adopted something that was nothing and allowed it to run their lives. Well, this is what we're supposed to do. I mean, this is just what Tamez says we're supposed to do. They, they're allowing, I, I can't overstate this enough, they are allowing nothing to rule their lives. Which is, no, no, which is, is in all practicality is just themselves. This is what I've chosen to do. This is the direction I've chosen to go. This is what I want in my life. This is what I desire. You know, the, the practice of sex outside of matrimony is widely accepted in our society today, but it's still not right in God's eyes. Not at all. I'm going to say a little bit more about that here in just a minute. And then it talked about the 25 men worshiping the sun in the temple, worshiping the sun in verse number 16. They were in the inner court. This just blows my mind. They were in the temple. They were in the inner court near the altar. That's a very sacred place. That's a very holy place. And the Bible says that they had their backs turned toward the temple of the Lord. So they were putting God behind them. And they had, their, they had turned their, their backs on God. And, and the Bible says they were facing the east. And they were worshiping, this is what it says, they were worshiping the sun. Not the S-O-N, but the S-U-N. You know, the heathen nations were all out in the east. I'm talking about Mesopotamia and Babylon, which carried them away captive, and Assyria and, 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 and Syria. And so the glory of the Lord, please get this, because that they had decided to do their own thing, turn their back on God, make gods out of nothing whatsoever so that they could do what they wanted to do, the glory of the Lord was severed. The glory of the Lord. But, but see, that's what happens. When man removes God from their way of life, that's what happens. The glory of the Lord is severed. Remember, they had said, the Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. It's amazing as you begin to read the book of Ezekiel that God's glory had appeared unto him in a vision in chapters 1 through 3. It appeared to him as a fiery whirlwind. It appeared to him the, the glory of the Lord as a fiery whirlwind and, and the cherubims. And, and it appeared to him as, as the wheels. And it appeared to him as the firmament and, it, firmament. and it appeared to him as the rainbow. The glory of the Lord had appeared unto Ezekiel. He had seen the glory of the Lord in these things. However, the glory of God will not remain where God is not honored as the one true Lord. The glory of the Lord's not going to remain like that. No, 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 no. And America has reduced the glory of God to the level of humanity. I'll say that again. America has reduced the glory of God to the level of humanity. 
I don't think you'd have a hard time agreeing with me that we have attempted to take God out of just about everything. We don't want God in schools. We don't want God at sporting activities. We don't want God anywhere. Let's just get him out of everything. That way, that way we don't have to be concerned about what he's thinking or what he says or what he's watching. We don't have to be concerned about him anymore. Besides, he's probably not even caring about what's going on down here anyway. No, it's pretty much the mindset of the United States of America today. Well, pre- preacher, there's a lot of people out there that still believe in I know, but I'm telling you, it seems to be that there's a lot more that don't because they're sure having success in getting God out of everything, aren't they? And let's take the Ten Commandments away and not, not allow them to be posted anywhere. And on and on this list could go the way that we have tried to do away with God in the United States of America. Men, men want the glory for good things that happen in this world. Men want the glory for that. Just, just recently that, that there was a, that there was a, a government figure uh, that, that said that, that, that it wasn't God that caused any of the good things to happen, but it was us. We did it all. And that's pretty much mindset across the board in the United States of America today. Man wants to take the glory for things, but God will not share his glory with anyone. He'll not share his glory with anyone. But there is a similarity with us today, no doubt, of the story we're reading here, the account that we're reading here. There's such a striking resemblance in America. Even even some of the same sins that Ezekiel saw in all of this. As it talked about the image of Baal, just a false god. It's crazy how the devil has seemed to capture the minds of people. He's captured the minds of people. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, TV brings filth into homes and it continues to get worse and worse and worse. And it has dominated the thinking of a lot of people until people think exactly what they have learned on the television set. They discount what God has to say. They write it off as archaic. No, no, I'm telling you, our minds have been invaded. Pornography is an epidemic because of the easy access of pornography today, not only are men and women viewing it regularly, but children, I'm talking about children, boys and girls are seeing things that, that can warp their thinking for a lifetime. It should never be accessible to them. No, 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 no. Horrible. And then we think about chemical dependency and how it continues to grow and grow and grow. We think about, we think about alcohol, the chemical, chemical dependency on alcohol. Alcohol is not a big thing, preacher. Well, it's not. Well, you know, when all this started with the pandemic and they decided they were going to shut down everything, they said, oh, well, we better leave the liquor stores open. Well, how come we're going to leave the liquor stores open? Well, because there may be people that die if they can't get their hands on alcohol. Now, wait a minute. They've said for years that it's just a disease, but it depends. It appears that it's very addictive because if there's going to be people from, that are going to die from not getting it, I'm telling you, it's nothing more than a drug. People are terribly addicted to it. Just a legal 
legal drug. And then we think about drugs themselves. I'm talking about illegal and legal drugs that are passed out so freely around our country. Antidepressants and tranquilizers and all these different things. And I understand that some things are needed at different times. I'm not going to discount that whatsoever, but I'm telling you, chemical dependency is growing and growing and growing to the fact that to the fact that kids can't even be kids anymore. And we got to give them a pill to settle them down. I'm telling you what to settle them down. You pull that belt off and give them a few well, we better stop right there. We're doing public thing. That'd tranquilize them anyway. It's a shame. It's a shame that it's a shame that this. That, it's a shame that tranquilizers and such are so abused today that they'll get people to a place that they are nothing more than a zombie with no feelings and no emotions and no whatsoever just going through this life. We've been convinced that that's the only way. You know, it's really something that we made it hundreds and hundreds of years without all that stuff. Entertainment consists of things that should not be said or should not be seen. Satan has blinded the minds and blinded the eyes. Please stay with me here. Satan has blinded the minds and the eyes of a lot of professing Christians. Professing Christians. I, I mean, I mean, how many, how many blood-bought, blood-washed, Bible-believing, born-again Christians have accepted the hellish philosophy that the Lord seeth not? And even if they would not outwardly admit to that, well, it's not like I believe God can't see. It's not like, come on, preacher. <laughs> Come on, poor preacher, you're getting carried away this morning for sure because it's not like it's not like I would say God can't see what's going on. Oh yeah, no, no, but even if they would not outwardly admit it, their lifestyle screams it. The way they live outside the church house screams it. They want to profess that they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but they want to continue to do things that are against Him day after day after day after day and act like it's not any big deal whatsoever. I'm telling you, our country's in a mess. People seem to think that God is not watching, but He is. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I'm telling you, He sees everything. All the evil, all the good. Nothing escapes Him. If only we would realize, acknowledge that God is watching our every move and that God knows our every thought every thought. He knows what we're watching on the television. He knows what we're looking at on our computer or our smartphone. I mean, he reads every text message and every instant message. He hears every FaceTime conversation. He knows when we lose our temper and he knows what we're doing in secret because there are no secrets with God. None. I mean, he talked about idol worship in the temple. You know, we have to be careful not to think more highly of our programs and our building than we do of God. We need to be more involved in bringing in the sheaves and less content with being settled on our lease. God has given us a beautiful place to worship. I appreciate it so very much, but let's not worship what God has given us. Let's worship the God that gave it to us. And then again, I... I 
can't help bring it up because it's brought up here. We live in a sex-crazed society. Just as, just as the women were weeping to this fertility God of the heathens, heathens, so our society today has turned to a similar outward expression. Well, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, it's, it's, is it not the norm today to find, I'm sorry, it is not the norm today to find young people guarding their purity, but they should be. And you young people, you listen to me this morning. I'm boys and girls. No, 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 you listen to me. God has given you a precious gift. He has given you your purity. And he means for it to be cherished. And he means for it to be saved for your husband or for your wife when that time arrives. Men are to marry men. And uh, men are to marry women. Boy, that's going to get cut up somewhere, isn't it? Men are to marry women and women are to marry men. I just thought I'd clarify that. Absolutely so. And once you make it to the marriage altar, then you have that wonderful gift to present to your husband or your wife. It's become way too acceptable to have sex outside the bounds of matrimony. I said it's become way too acceptable to have sex outside the bounds of matrimony, but that doesn't make it right in God's eyes. And too many children are left not knowing their father because if, if, they're, 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 if there need not be any commitment to sleep with someone, why should there be any commitment to take care of the child that it may produce? I say and guard your purity. Preacher, I can't even believe you're preaching like this on Sunday morning. Somebody needs to. TV and Hollywood have made it socially acceptable to be promiscuous. But I'm telling you, living together, shacking up, whatever you might want to call it before marriage, it's become commonplace, but it's still sin in God's eyes. Mankind has made, a, a, it's, mankind has made sex a, a god, and it has taken control of people's lives. A, a teenager that guards their purity is considered weird these days. But God still expects purity and God still expects holiness. Be ye holy for I am holy. And then there's the God of self. It talks about the 25 men in the temple that had turned their back on God and started worshiping the God of their choice. You know, nearly everything that you hear or that you read or that you see today, whether it's a documentary, whether it's a play, whether it's a news report, it inserts humanistic doctrine because man has become his own God. No, 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 no. This mindset, I'll live as I please. I'll do what I want to. Nobody's going to tell me any different. See, humanism does away with the need for a supreme being. And it's really terrible. No, no, no. I'm talking about professing Christians today. It's really terrible that there are many that would rather trust in the teaching of a man. They read books outside of the Bible that go against the things of the Bible, and they would rather accept that than they would accept the Word of God. It's happening all over our country. Humanism says I can do it on my own. And 
it, re- it really bugs me that there's religious speakers out there today that say, rely on that which you have inside of you. And it's not talking about the Holy Spirit of God, but it's talking about the bil- ability that comes from self. But friend, that's just humanism. Have you ever heard anyone say, we can be a success at whatever we do if we just believe in ourselves? That sounds like good advice, but it's just humanistic. It's just humanism. We have to trust in our God. There's a struggle. What's a struggle, preacher? Well, the entire struggle of this whole matter is whether men will choose to worship God or not. I said whether men will choose to worship God or not, because it is a choice. And the difficulty in in worshiping the one true God is that man must worship Him in spirit and in truth. When man worships a false god, he can create his own god. However he wants that god to be. What the god's going to accept, what he's not going to accept. What he likes, what he doesn't like. He, he can make up his own, his own, his own god. He, he, he can create his own methods of worship and, and his own rules for existence. Come on, our society out there to say, says, well, which god? You know, god, what god are you talking about? The Old Testament god, the New Testament god? The, the God that you, that you have made into who you want Him to be? Which God are you talking about? Let me tell you this morning, there's only one God. The Lord God Almighty. The one that created the heavens and the earth. The one that set everything into existence and motion. The one that is ever watching over everything going on here on this earth. The one who is and was and, and evermore will be. And He is the one that we will all answer to one day. Him. They said, the Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. See, that belief does away with the obligation of acceptance of one true deity, one true God. And then man is left to create his own source of worship. I'm talking about with, 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 with and, and, and I'm talking about with that, his, his source of worship, with that, he hopes to have a clear conscience. And that's why people go to church. Some people. Just to try to clear the conscience. That's why some people make trips to the altar, just to clear their conscience. Just doing their duty. So their conscience will be clear. It's not really all about God. Here's a lot of man's attitude toward that approach. Verse number 17. Stay with me here. We're almost done. Verse 17, then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? 
For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Well, what's the big deal about that, preacher? Well, that expression there, putting the branch to the nose, was an expression of scoffing God. Scoffing God. <laughs> oh, preacher, do you really, come on, do you really believe everything that old book says? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, no, don't, 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 don't look at me that way. I'm, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there that still scoff God. They make light of what God says. Preacher, you need to come up to the 21st century. Oh, I'm living in it. I'm surrounded by it. But God's still the same. No, no, He's still the same God. The very same God from the 1st century to the 21st century. We could go back before that time, before Christ, to those. No, no. God's always been the same. Always will be the same. No, no, the God of the Old Testament, same God in the New Testament. God will always, always be the same. But there's people that scoff Him. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, I'm not going down there to that Riverside Baptist Church. That preacher, he's bonkers. He, he thinks that everything in that Bible is true and that we shouldn't be doing this and we shouldn't be doing that. And he just gets a little carried away along the way. I'm telling you, if I don't have this to stand on, I have nothing to stand on. And if I'm not going to preach the whole counsel of God, I'm going to go sell cars somewhere. Because this book's still true. And God's still alive and well. And He hadn't changed a lick. Not at all. There's people that scoff God. No, no, don't, no, no, don't tell me there's not. There's people that scoff God. The people won't come to a Bible-believing teaching church such as our church because <laughs> I can't believe all that stuff. And it's not me. It's not the preachers of churches such as this that they're scoffing against. It's the God of the church that they're scoffing against. And it's not a light thing. It's not a light thing. Well, how do you know that? Because of verse 18. It says, Therefore will I also deal in fury, God says. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. God says, God says, stay with me here, I'm right, I'm right at done. God says He's going to deal in fury. He says, his eye will not spare. In other words, no matter what he sees, he'll not put off his fury. No, he says, not even their prayers will stop him at that point. Neither will I have pity. Now, I'm so thankful that our God is long-suffering. And he is. Very long-suffering. But there's something we have to realize. It is possible to cross a line with God to where you will have to pay the consequences. And that's why it's best to listen to Him and to heed Him 
and to do things His way. Because His way is always the best way. And as we follow Him and do it the way that He says we should do it, then we won't have to pay these consequences. And we don't have to worry. Listen to me. Come on. I'm going I'm to finish. If we're doing things God's way, His way, <clears throat> then we're not setting ourselves up for failure. And we're not setting ourselves up to pay the consequences. If we will take God at His word and heed Him and follow Him, He's there for us. He's there for us. But we do live in a day of grace. We do live in a church age. And our God is long-suffering. And I'd have to say to an extent that the judgment of God seems to be on our great nation. So what's needed? Well, what's needed is our repentance. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, trying to hide our sin from God, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Trying to hide our sin from God brings punishment and destruction. Or God's fury. We will pay consequences for that. But repentance, confessing and forsaking our sin, brings God's mercy. Well, preacher, I know a lot of people just doing whatever they want to do, and it doesn't seem like they're under any consequence. It doesn't seem like they're having to pay the price yet. Their life's not over. No, God's not done. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm telling you, the wonderful mercy of God says, if you will just repent, if you'll just turn from those things that you're doing, if you will just acknowledge me, if you'll confess those things, if you'll stop, I'll show you great mercy. Joel chapter 2 verse 13 says, And rend your heart, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. He doesn't want just an outward show of remorse. He wants us to stop doing those things we know we shouldn't be doing anyway. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. 
and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Look, friend, look. You might you might be underneath you might be under the judgment of God. You may be paying the consequences for your sin even now. You may have gone your own way. You may you may have strayed away from God. You may be doing exactly what you want to do instead of listening to God. You may be sneaking around doing things, thinking that you're getting by with things. You're not getting by with anything. You may be under the consequences of God even now. But I'm telling you, with a willingness to repent, with a willingness to forsake, for the willingness to do what God would have you to do, He will abundantly pardon those sins. He'll bring you back into good fellowship with Him. You don't have to wait for that. Just call upon the Lord. Judgment begins at the house of God, or should. Let's make sure that we're right with God. Let's make sure we're right with God. And and then seek to turn others to righteousness with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I realize it wasn't written to us, but it's still a very good truth over in, in uh, 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 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal, will heal their land. I've often prayed for nationwide revival. I don't know that we'll ever see that in our lifetime. Probably won't quit praying for it. I'd love to see a church-wide revival where everybody is just determined they're going to get as right with God as they possibly can. I would like to see some... uh, Family-wide revivals. Homes turned back to God. Doing what God would have them to do. No, no. Not playing the church game anymore. But really determined to live their life for God. Acknowledging God does see me every moment of every day. He does know what I'm doing. Turning our heart back to Him. God's not blind to our sin. He knows what's going on. And He is ready to abundantly pardon if we'll just turn to Him, confessing, forsaking. Let's determine to do what God would have us to do. I'm going to ask Brother Bronner to play the piano for a moment. And I know this is a tough situation when we're having church this way. But you can make an altar wherever you are. I mean, wherever you might be. Your couch, your chair, your table, wherever it might be. Maybe God spoke into your heart this morning. You have a need in your life. Maybe there's some things there that shouldn't be there. Maybe you've been doing some things you shouldn't be doing. Why don't you... Repent. Turn to God. Why don't you determine that you're going to live every minute of every day with the thought, the attitude that God knows 
God sees. God hears. God knows our every thought. But you ask God to help you to be everything He would have you to be. Would you take a moment to do that? And friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never truly trusted Christ as your Savior, it really is as simple as turning your heart to God and calling out to Him, asking Him to forgive you of your sin and trusting what Jesus Christ did for you all those years ago on the cross. It's that simple. Maybe that's something that God's been dealing with you about you need to take care of even today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us and you care about us and you preserve this book for us so that we could have examples so that you might speak to our hearts, that you might help us to be everything that we need to be for you and for others. And Lord, I don't know how you've spoken to hearts today, but I pray that people would respond. Respond to you. Lord, whatever needs to happen, we pray that your will would be done in each life. We'll thank you for it, for we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play for a moment will not take long because of circumstances that, but maybe God's spoken to your heart and you need to make an altar wherever you are just let God have his way whatever he wants whatever he'd have you to do maybe you just need to make some commitments to him maybe you do need to do some repenting whatever needs to happen Just let God have His way.